know that I am a child of the 80s? Am I amongst friends? Am I amongst any of a similar generation? No, some of you are too old. Um, <laughs> now, as I, I was going to preach this, this word th- th- this morning, this word today, um, that it's titled Highway Through the Danger Zone. You know, as a child of the 80s, I thought about donning my sheepskin flight jacket, my aviator shades and getting the team here to create a, you know, an American fighter jet um, kind of cockpit that I would be able to preach this because I, in, in a Tom Cruise style I mean, I've been mistaken many times for the cruiser. Okay. <laughs> As I read through Psalm 138, Psalm 138 and verse 7, the first half of it, it says this, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. I thought of dangerous paths, but of divine protection. I thought of that Kenny Loggins 80s anthem that went along with Top Gun, you know, highway through Oh, work with me now. I know, I know you've not got much to work with, but come on now. I thought of that highway through the danger zone, or highway to the danger zone, but twe- tweaking it slightly to be in highway through the danger zone. See, the Lord isn't just with us in the middle of trouble, but he has a plan to lead us through that trouble. You know, faith often doesn't take us out of the trouble, but keeps you going through it. We all wish that there was that kind of divine snap of the fingers, don't we? And all of a sudden that we are taken out of a situation and all of a sudden we're in a nice comfy place, a nice safe place, a nice warm place, a nice peaceful place. But often in those moments of trouble, in those moments of conflict, in those moments of challenge is where we meet with the Lord in a fresh way, isn't it? It's where we come to the place where we're like, you know what, I can't do this on my own, where I need to throw myself at the feet of Jesus and say, help me. It's at that place where you've tried all the tricks, you've tried all the things you know, you've tried everything that you've, you've learned and the experiences that you've had up to that point and all that's in your toolbox doesn't help you get on beyond that point. And just to the point where you think it's too much, it's too great, it's all going to be getting on top of me. To realize that there's someone that I can go to. And his name's Jesus. That there is somewhere that I can go to with all that I'm experiencing, all that I'm feeling, all that I'm facing. I can go to the foot of the cross. I can rest in the arms of the heavenly father. I can come and I can, I can say, Lord, would you come by your Holy Spirit into my life and into this situation and make the difference? Because here's what's happened. We grow in God in the middle of trouble. We can get a hold of this truth that in the middle, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life, then faith will build. But I tell you, in the middle of it, peace can also come. As you look in your life and you look and you, and you find yourself growing in the middle of challenges. Why? Because God is taking you through it. He is proving himself 
and he is proving you to yourself. I think there's two kinds of trouble, and I don't just mean trouble and big trouble, which is what I spent most of my life in. I think there is trouble that we create because of bad choices, wrong decisions, and actually, if it boils down to it, sinful consequences. And then there is a trouble that finds us in life, and also because we're serving the Lord and being faithful to his ways and doing, and other people don't like that. And I think we need to be aware of, why am I in trouble? That's a regular question that's on my lips. Why am I in trouble? You know, am I in trouble because it's something that I have done? Is it something because that, that other people have done? Is it something because I am serving the Lord? Now, if we find ourselves in the middle of trouble because we've made some bad choices, wrong decisions, and sinful consequences of those, then, then there are some things that we need to be aware of. Because the good news is that God does not write us off. But there are consequences to the actions that we've lived. If we've stepped outside of God's will, we've stepped outside of God's plans, if we've not lived our life according to the book and according to God's ways, to escape from those moments of sinful, self-inflicted trouble, there needs to be, number one, a recognition of sin. God, I've not lived your way. God, I've not done things the way that you've called me to or told me to according to your word, to know your best. A recognition of sin. Number two, there needs to be a repentance of that sin. Remember when we were last, probably this time last year, when we were looking at the, the seven, seven letters, eight churches to the book of Revelation, one of the things that I found myself saying lots is that repentance is one of God's great gifts because it gives us an opportunity or another opportunity to come back in line with God's best, to experience the blessing of living our life according to God's ways. And there needs to be a recognition of sin, but there needs to be a repentance of that sin. And that word repentance means uh, leaving something, turning 180 degrees and walking in the opposite direction. As I've said, we can leave things at the foot of the cross. We can leave that, that sin and that shame, that recognition. God, I'm not living my life according to your ways. I am sorry. I am going to stop living my life my way. I'm going to leave it behind at the foot of the cross. I'm going to turn from it. I'm not going to go back to it because my eyes are fixed on you, Jesus. I'm going to walk away from it. I'm going to live my life differently. There's a recognition of sin. There's a repentance of that sin. There's a restoring of relationship and of character that comes. A restoration of your testimony before God. Your story before God isn't just that you are a sinner in need of a savior. Your testimony before God isn't just, I've done wrong before heaven and earth. Your testimony before God is, he loves me. Jesus died for me. He rose again and I am forgiven. There is good news for each and every one of us. He can restore relationship, your relationship with him. He can restore relationship with others. He can build and rebuild your character and your testimony. And there's renewal and there's revival that comes. Because God loves to breathe his fresh breath, the breath of life, the breath of the spirit into our life, into our situations and into our circumstances. Even when it's trouble of our own making, he restores our soul. He restores our soul. Now, it's a long road back when you do wrong, but it's best to get off that path early. So most of what I'm going to talk about this morning is when trouble finds us, when we find ourselves in the midst of trouble because we're living full on for Jesus. 
But if the trouble that you're in right now is because you've made some wrong choices, bad decisions, and some sinful, living with the sinful consequences, then can I encourage you, if you do nothing else this morning, can I encourage you to recognize that sin, to repent of that sin, to restore your relationship with the Lord God Almighty, your loving Heavenly Father through King Jesus, and live in a Holy Spirit-inspired renewal and revival. But what about that trouble? That kind of trouble that you have because you're living for Jesus and other people don't like it. I think this is where King David finds himself in Psalm 138. You have that kind of moment where if you look at some of the other characters in Scripture who seem to do good for God but other people don't like it. I'm thinking of guys like uh, Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 17. God told Elijah to prophesy that there would be no rain on the land. And there was no rain in the land for three years because of there was, there was um, ungodly leadership that was in the, in, in the kingdom of Israel at the time. And God says to, to Elijah then, it's time to prophesy rain. It's time to go before the king and prophesy rain. And, and, and what happens is that Elijah comes before King, King Ahab. Really his wife Jezebel, a, a, a Phoenician princess, was the one who was calling all the shots there and bringing in false gods, idolatry, and living in a standard that wasn't up to you know, keeping with God. And Elijah, who's only done God's best, as the king sees him, he's, he's heralded and he's greeted with these words. Is that you, you troubler of Israel? Is that you, you troubler of Israel? Because he's only doing what God asks him to. Then there's the, the, the accusation, you know, you were with him. That was said to the disciples, Simon Peter. You get the persecution of the early church of Peter and Paul in those early church. And there is no bigger trouble than the false accusations, the sham trials, the, the flogging, the beating, the crucifixion, and the death of the perfect son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you find yourself in the midst of trouble because you're serving Jesus, you're in the best of company. And actually, you're in the best of places. Even though it may not feel like it right now, it feels uncomfortable, it feels everything within you wants to, to run away, to escape. But though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. See, there are different troubles, but there's the same preserver. Verse 7 is a powerful declaration, but King David makes that, as we read in the other verses of the psalm, well, in verse 1, he, he makes this declaration before gods, false gods, in verse 1. He makes this declaration before kings, in verses 3 to, to, to verse 5. He makes this declaration before proud people, in verse 6. And now he's making this declaration as he finds himself in a place of trouble. So when facing troubles whether it be from gods, which the Bible would call principalities and powers, or kings that would also be powers, whether it be people, those that are proud, that are, you know, that are, are so dominant that want to just crush you and stop you living for Jesus, or whether it's just problems of trouble, there are some preservation principles from the word of God that we can apply that will help us get through some troubled times. And the thing is in life, because the scripture promises is in this world you will have trouble. But I have overcome the world. Jesus says. So if you've not got trouble right now, 
there may be trouble ahead. But I have overcome the world. Oh, it's a, a, a music hall extravaganza this morning, isn't it? I won't be releasing my new CD. <laughs> it's called Silence is Golden. You up for some preservation principles this morning? Yes, pastor, if it means you're done quicker. Um, number one, <laughs> if you know your direction and your destination, you will get beyond the danger and the distraction. If you know your direction and your destination, you will get beyond the danger and the distraction. See, direction has got to do with knowing that you're on the right path. That pathway, that highway to holiness, that, that pathway of salvation in relationship with, with God. King Jesus said in John's gospel, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is no road to get to heaven, not through your good actions, not through your good deeds, not through your giving, although I'll, I'll take all the giving that you're, that, that you're going to give for the sake of the kingdom of God, but purely and entirely through coming to King Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. You need to make sure that you're on the right path. If you're on the wrong path, it will take you to the wrong destination. And the only right path to be on is the pathway, that highway of holiness of that relationship with Jesus, because that's the only way that will get you to the ultimate destination, that is heaven. In order to do that, we need to follow the teaching of Jesus who says, come follow me. He says, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Now, as I was thinking, I'd written this down, and latterly I, I was thinking, you know, sometimes we say that as though it's almost like a, a drudge and a duty. Oh, Jesus said that I'd better do it. Well, if this is the way that I'm going to get into heaven and experience the fullness of life, then I suppose I'd better deny myself, take up my cross, and follow him. There is a joy in being obedient to Jesus. There is a fulfillment of knowing that you're truly and that you're fully alive, forgiven and fully alive because you're, you've said no to the world and you've said yes to the creator of the world. Because you're saying, I'm not going to accept any imitations. I'm not going to live for any idols. I'm not going to please myself, which is selfish living. Actually, I'm going to please you. Because what matters is bringing a smile to my heavenly father's face. It's not a heavy thing. It doesn't need to be a, a, a drudge to serve, to serve the Lord. It can be a, a joyous thing. It can be that moment where you're like, you know what? There is an assurance of faith in those moments and an, an assurance of my intention in life. My goal, my aim, my purpose in life is to live for Jesus. It doesn't get any better than that. The Savior of the world, the Son of God, and I get to live my life for him. That's a good thing. Destination is almost always about the homeward trajectory through life towards eternity that's spent with your Father in heaven. But the brilliant news is, is eternal life doesn't start when we die. It starts the moment we say yes to Jesus and believe. We can have that taster. The Holy Spirit, friends, the Holy Spirit in our life, Paul writes in Ephesians that he is the down deposit, the, the down deposit, the, the, the first payment, the installment of all that's going to be ours in heaven. This is citizen of heaven stuff. This is not storing for yourself treasure here on earth. 
This is running the race to win the prize that is ours in Christ Jesus, the Lord. This is setting yourself up to to receive a well done, good and faithful servant moment. This is setting yourself up to experience all of heaven's best in your life. If we are confident and if we are convinced of our forever destination in heaven, then we can be confident that the God who has called us can take us beyond the dangers, can take us beyond the distraction, and can live beyond the moment of the trouble. In the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. So if we know the direction of our, and our destination, we'll get beyond the danger, we'll get beyond the distraction. But we need to beware of pit ho- uh, sorry, pitfalls, potholes, and of peering too close. We need to know our enemy. We need to be aware of the environment that we find ourselves in and we need to take quick care of the inquisitiveness of our eyes. You know, pitfalls are those holes that are intentionally dug by an enemy to cause somebody to be trapped. The Bible says we've got an enemy who wants to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and life in all of its And we need to be aware as we find ourselves perhaps in the middle of trouble that there is not a pitfall that's before us. We need to make sure that that, that we are living close to Jesus. We need to make sure that we are old Bible terminology or old Christian terminology hidden behind the cross. The safest place to be. That we're coming under the canopy and the covering, the protection of the power of the shed blood of Jesus. It is powerful. We need to put ourselves in that place. We need to make sure that we are not about to step into a pitfall as we find ourselves in the middle of trouble. We need to look out for potholes. We know a thing or two about potholes. Potholes are erosion because of the environment and because of a lack of maintenance. Because of the environment and the lack of maintenance. Can I encourage you, church, to consider your environment and how often you would want to, um, how you would want to, to maintain your faith and make sure that you're doing well? Can I encourage you, if you're in a place that's going to put you in spiritual danger, do not go there. If you hang out with people that are going to drag you away from the things of God, don't hang out with them. If you're beginning to let habits and patterns and things creep into your your thinking, your behavior, your lifestyle that aren't God's best, don't do it. Take care of yourself and your relationship with God. Almost set up a little bit of a tick list. Am I praying as much, if not more, than I was a month ago? Am I reading my Bible as much, if not more, than I was a month ago? Am I praising God as much, if not more, than a month ago? Am I spending time in prayer more than I was a month ago? Am I witnessing more than I was a month ago? Am I... And again, it's not just a tick list because, you know, somehow that's going to make God love me a little bit more. Nothing we can do can make him love us more. And nothing we can do can make him love us less. He loves his children. But to make sure that we don't find ourselves in that place of trouble, we need to take good care of ourselves. That may mean stop it and don't in order to say yes and to do for Jesus. 
1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12 said, so if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Consider yourself with sober judgment, the Bible says. So we're looking out for pitfalls dug by an enemy. We're looking out for potholes. It's erosion because of the environment and the lack of maintenance. We're considering and making sure the inquisitiveness of our eyes mean that we don't peer too close to the edge. It's a distraction from the destination. It's overconfidence in your own ability as you start to peer too close to the edge. It's been said before, and it was one of, it's one of the quotes that John Glass, a previous general superintendent of healing, said, it's better to be a fence at the top of the cliff, cliff than an ambulance at the bottom. We need to build some fences around about our life to ring fence our relationship with the Lord, to make sure that we're not just seeing how close to the world we can come and still call ourselves children of God, but how close to God can we be to be able to have a good and positive impact in the world? Remember Matthew 13 and verse 21 in the parable of the sower. There's there's the four conditions of soil. There's a hard ground, there's a thorny ground, there's a rocky ground, and there's a good soil that's there. Well, what does it say about the parable of uh, the sower of the rocky soil? It says it has no roots. So when trouble or persecution comes because of the world, he quickly falls away. If you want to make sure that you don't fall away, you need to make sure you've got deep roots. That means that you need to make sure that the, the condition of, of your heart and your life isn't of rocky soil. You need to make sure. You may need to allow the Holy Spirit to come a, a, a massive sieve and to be able to sift through the stuff of your life. And if things need to go, then do you know what? For the glory of God and for the praise of his name, let them go. It may be painful, but it will be less painful than the crash and burn that happens when you find yourself in the midst of trouble because of sin, because of wrong choices and of the consequences of, of bad decisions. So beware. Pitfalls, potholes, and peering too close to the edge. Number three, in this pathway of preservation, name the trouble. Now, not like... Not like a tropical storm that seems to be named, you know, every, you know, every gust of wind now, there's a name for it, isn't there? Um, we, we need to name the trouble. Name the trouble source and name the trouble's root. You know, if, you, if you're, you find yourself in trouble, ask yourself, why am I finding myself in trouble? Is there something that I have done? Is it my situation? You know, what does the word of God have to say about such trouble? To protect yourself or to come back in line with God's best. And often when, he, when God speaks and deals with, with, with issues that would be causing trouble to people, that he has got an opposite response to lead you out and to lead you through. Invite the Holy Spirit's solution into your situation. Because we need to trust as we, he will preserve our life in the midst of trouble, that, that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are going to conspire for us to be able to take us through. He's going to be able to empower us to live beyond this moment to live and stand strong for him through the trouble. But we need to know what the trouble is. Oh, there's all this stuff coming and happening in my life. Well, why is that? And this stuff may well be just the fruit, but you need to understand what the root of that is, of why that's coming. You need to then begin to look and say, Father, what does your word teach about this thing? 
or often if it's the way that the world or the way of the enemy and the way of opposition comes, Lord, what's the mirror image of that? If the enemy works in the shadow realm, if the enemy works in a mirror image of the things of God and a pale imitation of things of God, God, what's your death? That your word would want to speak into my life and into my situation. And number four, in order for him to you know, preserve us, uh, preserve our life in the middle of trouble, we need to follow the good shepherd. Jesus, the one who lays down his life for the sheep, the one who says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Read John chapter 10 and verse 27 to 30. In fact, you may want to turn to it you know, just this morning as we, as we consider it together. I want to tell you, this is a great declaration for you to, re, to speak over your life and to speak over perhaps the troubles of your life and to remind yourself, this is our God. This is who's for me. This is who is with me. In John chapter 10 and in verse 27, it says this, my sheep, Listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my, fa out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. I want to encourage you, if you find yourself in a place of trouble, if you find yourself in a situation, a circumstance where you would feel as though all of hell has been opened and being poured against you and there is opposition coming from any and every side while you find yourself surrounded in those moments, I want to get, encourage you to get your Bible out. I want to encourage you to get to Psalm 138 and verse 7 to declare over my life that in the midst of trouble, he'll preserve my life. I want you to get your Bible out. I want you to flick to John chapter 10 and to read those verses from verses 27 to 30 to declare them over your life. I am his. He's mine. I will not perish. I will overcome. But it starts with my sheep. Listen to my voice. I know them. And they follow me. It's turning to Psalm 23, and we're not going to read all, uh, you know, Psalm 23. You know that very well, you know, if you've been around church and faith any length of time. The Lord is my, I shall not be in. Yeah, he leads me beside the green pastures. He's the one who restores our soul. He's the one who reads, leads us in paths of righteousness. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, yet I will fear no evil and ill, for you are with me. Rod and your staff, they comfort me. In the middle of trouble, he is with you. In the middle of trouble, he is for you. In the middle of trouble, there is a way that he will take you where he will take you from the middle of trouble, beyond the trouble, into a good, prosperous place. To pastures new, yes, and in the presence of the Lord, I will spend all of my days. We need to say yes to the Lord. I need to follow the good shepherd in order to preserve my life in the midst of trouble. Who better to follow? The one who knows the map. The one who knows the safe route through the landmines of life. 
the one who can preserve our life in the middle of trouble. Take heart, church, take heart. As I've quoted already in John chapter 16 and verse 33, Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. I hope this morning that you are taking heart, that you're not on your own, that you're not abandoned, that he is for you and he is with you. You see, our overcoming rests in his resurrection. In Romans chapter 8, verses 35 to 39, and you may want to add this to your arsenal of scripture, that you fire at the enemy, that you encourage yourself, and that you remind yourself and remind all of heaven and anybody else who wants to listen, if you find yourself in the middle of trouble. In Romans chapter 8, verses 35 to 37, it's in a passage that starts at verse 28, that's titled, More Than Conquerors. But in verse 35, it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, shall hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither the height nor the depth, nor anything in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I tell you, you find yourself in the middle of trouble. He will preserve your life. There is some grace glue that enables King Jesus to stick closer than a brother every day every moment, every trouble. There is a reality in the permanence and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, bringing that Pentecostal power along every pathway that we find ourselves on. The Holy Spirit is the one who will fill the believer. He will edify the believer. He will guide the believer. He will comfort the believer. He will teach the believer. He will empower the believer. In the middle of trouble, he will preserve your life invite the endowment of power from on high invite to be filled and be being filled with the holy spirit invite him to come and to help you in the middle of your trouble and as good pentecostals who love a little bit of revival the amplified version of this verse says though i walk in the midst of trouble you revive me you see he preserves our life and, and, and preserve almost sounds like the baseline, doesn't it? Almost sounds like, oh, I'm just scraping through. I've got bruises. I've got scars. I've got wounds. I'm, I'm, I'm just, if I hold on long enough, I might just get there. Although, if you're drowning in a sea and somebody throws you a life belt, you're very grateful to be preserved, aren't you? In the middle of trouble. But he wants to revive some things. He wants to bring things that are dead and decaying back to life. He wants to, to restore some things in your life. He wants to pour some water on some dry and parched ground. My Christmas cactus at home is beginning to flower and to bud. Because it had been neglected over summer and not much water. But the other day when I was doing a little bit of ironing. Gentlemen, you listening? Um, ladies, nudge them. Um, I was doing a little bit of ironing upstairs and because I was watching 
football or American football or something, um, and came downstairs, and, and the jug was, had some water in it, so I poured it on the cactus. Yep, and it, it, it dried, you know, it, the dry soil all of a sudden became moist, became nice and fertile again. And two weeks later, there's buds beginning to appear on this Christmas cactus. Now, it's going to be early. <laughs> but our God in the business of pouring some water on some dry dirt, isn't he? Our God's in the business of restoring some souls. The Passion Translation says, By your mighty power, I can walk through any devastation and you will keep me alive, reviving me. A couple of years ago, there was, a, there was James Bond advert for the James Bond film. I think it might have been Quantum of Solace. And it was, it was Bond in his tuxedo um, walking forward. And behind him, there was collapsing buildings and there was rubble. And I think it might have been for Sony Bravia TV that was in partnership with them. Other TVs are available. You know, and he's walking, walking forward and there's rubble and there's glass and there's explosions going on all around about him. And nothing is touching him. Nothing is harming him. And he gets to the front of the screen, he kind of, you know, checks the, the, the collar on the tuxedo, straightens the, straightens the bow tie and just kind of goes back and then kind of walks off beyond the, beyond the moment. I think as we can walk through any devastation by his mighty power, he will keep us alive, he will revive us. That by your mighty power, he will revive us. That in the midst of trouble that you will preserve my life, that you will revive me. And the last thing I'd want to say to you this morning, thank you for, for listening so well, is remember, Father God has got the final word on this preservation pathway through the dangers. Regardless of what the world is saying, regardless of what the world throws at you, the world is not the final word. Father God has it. The cross trumps the trouble and the trials. What do we need to do? We need to perceive the preservation pathway. We need to see his footprint in the next step. Remember his word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We need to persi persist on the preservation pathway. The good news is don't let go of God. He will not let go of you. Stay cradled in those nail-pierced hands of our Savior. Number three, and it's already been through the, the, the service this morning, to praise through the preservation pathway. To sing a song in a far-off land, as the scripture would say. To praise the Lord in the middle of it. And through that, I would also say, you know, that's where your, your own personal rhythms and patterns of discipline before the Lord, of re reading the word in season and out of season, you know, praying in season and out of season, Praising him in season and out of season, being a faithful witness to him and for him in season and out of season. Praise him along that preservation pathway. The fourth thing I would say, plod along the preservation pathway. Be faithful. Don't give up on God. If you don't see that breakthrough right now, don't give up on God. He will not give up on you. He is faithful and just. God is good. And his love endures forever. And the last one, prosper beyond the preservation pathway. Scripture says in, in Joel, before there's outpouring of the Holy Spirit in all, all flesh, as Joel prophesied, there is repentance 
There is restoration, restoring the years that the locusts have eaten before the revival of pouring out his spirit in all flesh comes. He is able to restore the years the locusts have eaten. Where there have been things that have caused devastation in your life, devastation in faith, that have wanted to, to destroy your ability to be fruitful in the things of God. My Bible tells me he can restore the years that the locusts have eaten. But my Bible also tells me I need to come with that repentance in order for him to be able to do that too. And to move me into that place of revival. I'm going to stop speaking now. Amen. And we're going to move into that place and that moment of just receiving from God. A ministry of you doing some business with God. I've, I've to the best of my ability this morning discharged the word that I felt was in my heart for us as church today. And I think it's just been seen in keeping and in flowing with what the Holy Spirit has been saying to us over the last number of weeks. And particularly again this morning. So where are you? What are you going to do? Who are you going to be in God? In the circumstances that you find yourself in right now, but as a result of being in this place today and hearing his word. Let's bow our heads.